my favorite trails. I'm so glad that you asked. I love to walk the Stone Bridge Nature Trail at Rouge Park. This loop trail isn't very long, which makes it great for young children like mine. The Pine River Nature Center in St. Clair County. My husband and I love to go on the North Bay Park Trail in Ypsilanti Township. Belle Isle to south of Grozeal. The Detroit River is like hanging out in my backyard three seasons each year. My family and I love to go to the Red Oaks Nature Trail in Madison Heights. So one of my favorite long-distance regional trails is the Down River Link Greenways. I love to walk and bike on the Dequindercai. It gives me easy access to both Eastern Market and the Detroit Riverfront. I love the Bridge to Bay Trail in St. Clair County. I like running along the water. It's so blue, especially in the morning. My family's favorite place to hike in the area is Belle Isle in Detroit. My favorite land-based trail is the Paint Creek Trail. I would say there's Stony Creek Metro Park. There's also Bald Mountain State Recreation Area. Also like logging some miles on the River Raisin Heritage Trail in Monroe. Another one that I just recently went to was Innovation Hills in Rochester Hills. And that's a smaller area to hike, but it's very natural and a lot of boardwalk. And that's really fun too. Hello, and welcome to Region Ahead, a podcast from SimCog, the Southeast Michigan Council of Governments. I'm Chris Williams. And I'm a planner with SimCog. So what we just heard were some personal testimonials about a few of the many outdoor trails in Southeast Michigan. Uh, Why? Well, it's Michigan Trails Week. And anyone who has spent time in our state knows that it's truly a playground for people of all ages. This is hardly a new development, right? But we are in a bit of a renaissance for outdoor recreation. So to help us explore what it takes to develop and maintain a premier trails and outdoor recreation system, I'm joined by my colleague, Tyler Cliffman. Tyler is also a planner with SimCog. He is on SimCog's economic and community vitality team. He is also SimCog's point person for parks and recreation planning. And if I do say so myself, a pretty swell guy. Tyler, thank you for joining us on Region Ahead. Thanks, Chris. Good to be here. All right. So is it just me or are trails much more of a thing now than they have been in the past? No, it it seems really true. Um, And I think especially lately, as we've been going through this COVID-19 pandemic, you know, there's a lot less places to go and things to do. So we've seen a lot more interest in these sort of individual or small group outdoor activities like walking, hiking, biking or kayaking. Um, I know I've been running a lot more in the past six months than I have in my whole life. But I've even heard that this summer it's been tough to find a new bike or a new kayak. Um, on the market. So if anything, this year has really been uh, an exclamation point on a trend that's been developing for a long time. So while we know this has been a part of uh, recreation and tourism for decades, this interest has been on the upswing in recent years. Recreation providers throughout the state have been responding accordingly too. So in our region, we've seen um, a lot of big regional initiatives going on with trails, connecting a lot of the work that's going on at the local level through projects like Michigan's Iron Bell Trail and the Great Lake to Lake Trail. Um, In addition to these hiking and biking trails, we've seen a lot more growth in water trails, people taking advantage of our rivers and turning towards them as a way to uh, promote tourism and recreation and economic development in the towns that that they pass through. Okay, great. It sounds very exciting and informative. And so with that, today, we're going to dive deeper into the topic of trails and outdoor recreation. 
Um, and I think we have a couple excellent uh, guests to help us understand a lot about what's out there and then kind of what's going on in the region. Yeah, that's right. So today we're joined by Jonathan Jaros, the executive director of Heart of the Lakes, uh, which supports land conservancies throughout the state in their efforts to protect our critical natural and working lands. So in addition to his role there, Jonathan is a founding member of Michigan's Outdoor Recreation Advisory Council, and also a member of Michigan's Farmland and Open Space Preservation Board. We're also joined by Andrea LaFontaine. Andrea is the Executive Director of the Michigan Trails and Greenways Alliance, or MITCA, um, and they're the statewide voice for non-motorized trails here. And they help to build and connect and promote trails for a healthier and more prosperous Michigan. She's also a commissioner for Oakland County Parks and Recreation, serves as a board member for Heart of the Lakes, Six Rivers Land Conservancy, Kadima Mental Health Services. And prior to joining MITCA, Andrea worked for the DNR and served as a state representative for three terms, including four years of service as the Natural Resources and Policy Committee. So hi, Jonathan and Andrea, thanks for joining us. Yeah, hey, Tyler, hey, Chris, glad to be here. Thanks for having us today. Uh, really excited to dig into this conversation. So um, let's just get into it. From your work throughout the state, have you seen trends similar to kind of some of the things that Tyler described earlier in Southeast Michigan about parks and trails becoming a lot more popular during um, this pandemic? Yeah, we've seen a huge increase in trail usage uh, statewide, as I'm sure you know. Um, people are really getting out in their local communities and discovering new places to recreate. I think we were all feeling some sort of cabin fever early on. Um, when coronavirus first started. And it's really, it's pushed people to get out and explore areas close to them. And I hope that all of these newfound users and those that are appreciating uh, trails continue to use them, even after, I say after hoping this, this pandemic will eventually end. I think one of the kind of the fun things to take a look at is people always assume you're paranoid uh, when you talk about your cell phone listening to you and following you. And the reality is that it actually is. Uh, so towards the end of March, um, Google released what they call their mobility reports. And that's essentially uh, the traffic of where people's cell phones are moving to and from. And no big surprise that as we moved into April of 2020, um, people were going to work a lot less. Uh, their phones were going with them to work a lot less. But what we actually saw was a thousand percent increase in visitation to parks, natural areas and trails. So quite literally, we were watching people physically move away from their traditional patterns and move to places that they were either exploring for the first time or these really beloved places close to home. But regardless, they were definitely either at home or outdoors on their local trail or, or greenway. Yeah. And I think one of the things that makes Southeast Michigan unique in our state is that we're home to nearly half the state's population in just seven counties. So we do have a lot of great outdoor opportunities around here, but they've started to feel a lot more crowded as more people are looking for things to do close to home. And getting outside for fresh air and exercise is one of the few things people could do when other activities were more restricted. So it's been really important to make sure that everyone is doing so safely uh, for themselves and courteously to others. So Semcog's been promoting tips on how to enjoy parks and trails during the pandemic um, in both our videos and social media. But I know that for both of your organizations, that's been a big focus as well lately. So one of the things that we talk about a lot too is this idea that there's no one right way to get outside, right? So some people enjoy trail running, some people enjoy sitting on a park bench, some people just enjoy going outside walking the dog. Uh, for others, it's much more competitive. Everybody's got their their way into the outdoors or their 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 entrance to the outdoors. 
With that in mind, though, we have a variety of users, new, brand new users, um, and then longtime experienced users. And the assumption initially was that um, it was the new users who didn't have good principles or good handles on how to recreate responsibly. And what we found actually is that it's not just new users, it's also the longtime users who also take a lot of things for granted. And whether that means how they park at a trailhead, which natural areas, which parks trails they go to, that kind of thing. So in addition to this really massive uptick um, in terms of use of our, our parks trails in our open space, we're also seeing a great need to either remind people, remind longtime users about how best to do things, and also an opportunity to educate a whole new cadre of, 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 of new, new users and the stewardship that goes with that. There's a national coalition that launched initially um, out of Washington State um, and was largely influenced by REI. And uh, for those of us in Metro Detroit, many are familiar with REI's impact. Uh, they're one of the largest national outdoor retailers and have four locations um, in Metro Detroit. And as part of their stewardship effort, they feel that it's important to be able to also help promote um, how people get outside. And so the, the National Recreate Responsibly Coalition was launched uh, with help from REI in the state of Washington. And um, as time has moved on and as the summers move forward, that coalition has grown from one state to now all 50 states. Uh, and so there's a, an initiative in Michigan called Recreate Responsibly, uh, which is led by the National Coalition. And there's seven basic principles behind um, how we believe that people can best recreate responsibly. And I think what's important to note is that while there's some really basic principles in there, like uh, stay close to home when possible, um, the ideas of diversity and inclusion also play a key component in how to be a good outdoor steward. Again, there's no one right way to be outside, and there's no one particular type of person uh, who's outside. So if you're playing basketball, if you're playing softball, if it's bocce, if it's cricket, um, if it's a trail ride, a mountain bike run, it, it really doesn't matter. Um, we all have an opportunity to enjoy the outdoors. There's been a lot of time and energy put into how those things have gotten into the to where they're at right now. Um, but we've got a tremendous amount of public land that's accessible to pretty much anyone uh, for all different kinds of activities. We've kind of been following Jonathan, his organization and his lead on this Recreate Responsibly movement that's happening. And I think what's nice about it is while it highlights kind of key things that you need to keep in mind while recreating outside and how to do it responsibly, it also provides a level of like reassurance, right? So everybody has kind of been uncertain during these times about what to expect when they do go out, like what do they need to bring, things that they need to take into consideration before they go. And these few highlights that they talk about, um, like staying close to home and pack your stuff in and pack your stuff out. I think they really, they allow people to feel safe as they're choosing to recreate outside. No, I would agree with that during this time where both my wife and myself, we were, we're working from home. Uh, we've taken opportunities to kind of go out and walk a little bit more, explore some of the trails around where we live. And so um, initially we had some kind of trepidation about how to go about that. You know, are we using the system correctly? You know, we, so we kind of just parroted and mimicked a lot of what we saw other people doing, you know, as far as social distancing, making sure we have our masks. And, um, but it's nice to see that there is a campaign to kind of show what, you know, people should do so they don't have as many questions so everyone can enjoy um, getting outside and getting rid of some of this cabin fever that we've pent up over the past few months. So another thing that we want to talk to you to about are kind of upcoming important dates. Um, the first is the Trails Week, which is September 20th through the 27th. Um, and then also Public Lands Day on September 26th. 
Um, can you tell Region Ahead listeners about those two dates and um, why they are important? Sure. So I'll start um, with Trails Week and then I'll let Jonathan touch on the National Public Lands Day a little bit. Um, so Trails Week, like you said, September 20th through the 27th, um, we're really just working to highlight all trails throughout Michigan. So while MITCA, my organization, focuses on the non-motorized trail use, um, we have to recognize also that there are multi-use trails and motorized trail users do exist as well. And this week is also for them. So they're included in this. And we are working to do, um, I'm not sure we may touch on it a little bit later, but we did plan a Michigan Trails Week Challenge. Uh, we partnered with the DNR for this event and it's a virtual event. We're encouraging people to get out during that week and actually log your miles that you're spending on the trail. So whether you're hiking, biking, running, walking, paddling even, we had one guy ask if his miles waiting while fly fishing would count. And I would say yes, because technically that would be a water trail. We want you to log those miles so we can say that collectively, we as Michiganders hit a total of 100,000 miles during Trails Week. And there's also some pretty cool stuff. Um, if you check out the website, it's on Run Sign Up, or you can go to michigantrails.org and check it out for more information. But a virtual event happening during Trails Week, uh, September 20th through the 27th, which also includes National Public Lands Day, which Jonathan, you should be able to fill them in on that a little bit. Sure. So uh, National Public Lands Day um, is in September of every year, and uh, it was actually founded in 1994 uh, by three federal agencies and a number of supporters dedicated to conservation and open space in trails and parks. And over time, the movement has really grown to help celebrate public lands, not just at the federal level, but um, all across the board. So the, the national event and the origins are really um, focused primarily on federal lands, but as uh, more states and more organizations have adopted it, that's grown to include things like our state parks, our state forests, um, our regional and our county parks and others. Um, in many places, uh, National Public Lands Day also sees no fees at the entrance gates. I'd encourage you to take a look or call your local park agency or your state park agency first to, to see if that's true in that particular location. But there's a tremendous opportunity to explore some places that you haven't seen before. Um, I think one of the things that's not well known is that Michigan actually has more public land east of the Mississippi than any other state. And so while there's a tremendous amount of public land in the western states, and we often think about the places like Colorado and Utah as like big outdoor states, um, Michigan actually not only rivals, but is on par with what we, we historically think of as these lifestyle states for the outdoors. Um, also probably not well known is uh, National Public Lands Day is an opportunity for us to celebrate the outdoor economy in Michigan. Uh, Michigan has a 27 billion with a B um, outdoor economy, which again is on par or greater than uh, many other states uh, in the continental US. And there's also direct impact on jobs too, right? So when you go to visit these public lands and these parks and trails, um, there's a lot of people that not only provide for the activities that you can take on, uh, whether that's the bike shop that you visited before you went there, whether that's the park ranger at the gate, there's 250,000 plus uh, direct jobs related to the outdoor economy in Michigan. So Public Lands Day is a, a, not only an opportunity to see some new places you haven't been before and a great opportunity to get outside and celebrate what we have, but it's also a really amazing opportunity to celebrate the, the impact uh, that the outdoors has on our economy in the state of Michigan. Yeah, SEMCOG is also uh, celebrating Michigan Trails Week with a challenge for our own staff, hoping to log 100.1 miles, a little nod towards our building address among our staff during the week, but imagining it's gonna be even more than that because we know that we also have a lot of great resources that help promote uh, these places within our region that 
anyone can use to help find out more information about them. So you may have heard of the Southeast Michigan Park Finder app that lets you search for parks anywhere in the region based on the types of amenities they have. Um, and we also have the Trail Explorer website that has that 360 degree imagery, uh, kind of like Google Street View, but on more than a thousand miles of hiking trails, biking trails, even on our rivers and our water trails. So let's people take a virtual tour of what our region has to offer even before they venture out. Just a, a quick kudos if I can. Um, you mentioned early on that you know half of the state's population is, is nestled uh, very comfortably into SEMCOG's region. Um, one of the things I want to make sure everybody understands too is the, the resources that are available from the human resource side, the Park Finder app and the Trail Finder, those are, those are coveted and sort of lusted after by other regions in the state. So take advantage of those in particular when you're going out to find new places. Um, other, other people aren't as lucky elsewhere in the state to have those. Thanks. We like to think that, you know, they're accessible enough for people who are brand new to this, but they're also a way for people who may think that they've been everywhere to, to see, find some hidden gems in the region. So definitely check them out. So we've heard some interesting things about Michigan's trails network, but we have to keep a couple things in mind. Uh, one, as mentioned earlier, uh, Southeast Michigan is a very diverse region. And as you mentioned, many people have different experiences when it comes to outdoor recreation. Um, so what can communities do to make sure that everyone feels welcome in these different settings? Well, one of the things, and this is certainly not the only thing, but one of the things to be um, more conscious of now uh, than probably ever before is that everyone comes from a different place. And that might sound really, really trite, really basic. But what I mean by that is everyone comes from a, a different user experience. Everyone comes from a different cultural background. Um, everyone comes from a different economic background, a different religious background, and so on. And so, for example, while um, I might like to go out for a trail run by myself, um, that doesn't mean that the Latino family is interested in doing such. Um, they might be more interested in um, in having a, a family reunion and a get together. And that includes a lot of people and not just being out by themselves. One of the mistakes uh, my organization's made, quite frankly, and uh, at National Park Service and REI have done pretty good at this too, is for the longest time, for example, we'd put the pic a picture of a, a solo person, a single person, uh, sort of at the top of a hill or out on a city skies, skyline, uh, standing there by themselves. The immediate response we got back from, from other cultures was, why is that person there by themselves? Where is their family? Where are their friends? That's a really weird way to be outside. And so as a kind of a really basic example, my own cultural bias um, sort of led me to see that as my experience in the outdoors. And so, you know, without beating that example to death, it's sort of just an idea to remember that everybody comes from a different place and that how I like to be outside and how I like to recreate probably doesn't look like how you like to be outside and how you like to recreate. The key, though, is that we're all outside together. One of the national organizations has uh, started talking about, I think, this really cool concept that they're calling the outdoor state, right? So the biggest state in the United States is the outdoor state. Um, it's something that we can all get together around without necessarily having to dig really deep into politics or any other pieces. It's just, it's, it's who we are as a country. It's an opportunity for us to embrace it. But, but that means that down at an individual level, we've got to remember that the outdoor state's made up of a whole bunch of different people. From SEMCOG's work and looking at some of this from a transportation lens, we know that having access to parks and trails has a big impact on how people use them and even on their quality of life. Um, our Parks and Recreation Plan looks at that more in depth with policies and data. Um, but this year, we put some of that into a more interactive 
online format that folks can explore with our access to parks analysis tools. So a lot like Park Finder, it lets you see where these different amenities are located within the region, also where they're not. Um, and it lets you see demographically how many people can really reach them by a 10 minute walk or a 15 minute bike ride or even by driving or by transit. So um, the goal for that project is to ultimately help communities plan improvements that will serve more people um, and not duplicate each other's work and not provide the same things in the same places. But at the same time, we know that this type of access is really just one piece of the puzzle and that it's important that these places are also have high quality amenities and natural resources that are well-maintained and preserved. So continuing to connect both of those pieces is really important. And I'll just add to some of Jonathan's points. And I know organizationally, we have been trying to do better. We want to make sure that the environments that we're creating outside or on a water trail, that they are accessible and inclusive to everybody. And we do recognize that like the outdoors, they're, they are for everybody. So how do we, we go into the like the open spaces, we need to go into them with an open mind. And like Jonathan said, that people recreate differently and we have to be mindful of that and we need to be respectful of that. But there is like, there's a huge learning opportunity as well to learn from other cultures. And it could even be your neighbor down the street, like how they use outdoor space is probably different than I use outdoor space. I love to go outside by myself without the kid, without the dog, sometimes call my husband. It's great, but I know that's, that is not how everybody chooses to recreate outside. So just keeping in mind that the outdoors are a safe space and welcoming for everybody. Um, and how they how they use it is really up to them. And we we should be mindful and respectful of that. All right. So, Tyler, speaking of making improvements, I've heard that the Michigan Natural Resources Trust Fund will be part of a ballot proposal in our upcoming election. Now, I know I've seen plaques in parks where these funds have been used for improvements. Um, but what exactly are we voting on then? Yeah, it's true. Uh, the trust fund has been one of the biggest sources of grant funding for parks in Michigan for more than 40 years. Um, and it uses revenues from oil and gas on state lands to help fund conservation and access to recreation. So the way that it's currently set up, there are certain limitations about how these funds are used to either acquire new parkland versus develop existing parks. This proposal allows for more flexibility around this. Um, at the discretion of the trust fund board. And it also ensures that these oil and gas revenues will continue to be used for these purposes into the future. Andrea, Jonathan, do you guys have any um, kind of responses to to what the proposal is? I'll just add to like what Tyler said, and then I'll let Jonathan get a little more in depth with it. But to me, the biggest takeaway of this proposal and why this is ensuring that these funds will be continued to be used for this purpose in perpetuity. So right now, when you look at the formula, if one of the state park endowment fund, when that reaches its cap, that money could start flowing into the general fund. And we don't want that to happen because if that does happen, we're never going to get it back out. So by supporting this measure, we're really ensuring that these funds are true to their intent and they will continue to be invested in recreational purposes. Yeah, I mean, um, Tyler dug into the history pretty well. It, it actually, the Michigan Natural Resources Trust Fund origin goes all the way back to 1976. And um, there was a large piece of state forest land in Northeast Michigan uh, that was recently acquired at that time. And there was also significant interest from uh, the oil and gas industry to do some exploration on the land. And so really where the trust fund comes from is a, a great compromise uh, between oil and gas and conservation and environmental groups. Um, 
trying to understand how they could balance the need for development and industry in our state, as well as the need for recreation and conservation. And so the kind of the basic idea behind the trust fund is that we're taking a non-renewable resource out of the ground and we're putting it back into a sustainable resource, which is our parks, trails, and our open spaces. So since 76, there's been millions upon millions of dollars um, that have come from this fund and have actually um, helped fund parks, trails, and open space in every community across the state. Um, Chris mentioned the, the plaques, uh, kind of the signage uh, that goes up. Um, while that signage is nice, I think actually the, the physical imprint on the landscape is really kind of the cool thing. Um, I can go to pretty much every city, township, village, county in Michigan and find um, a way that that community has been impacted by the trust fund itself. The other thing we're seeing too, and this is, is also the exciting part, is the way the trust fund was placed into our constitution, it allowed for the public to change it over time as it's needed. So it's, it's probably in its purest form in the hands of, of Michigan's voting public. And um, we have the control over uh, the kinds of things that it's spent on rather than having folks who are uh, perhaps in an office for a very short amount of time. It could be a, an accountant, it could be a governor, it could be whoever, it could be a legislator. But we, we as the people actually have the opportunity to, to long-term determine how it's spent and how it's used in our communities. The flip side to that is that I think it's probably the least known thing uh, in the state of Michigan. In other words, if you ask people in these cities, villages, and townships where their parks and their open space came from, it came from someplace. Uh, milk comes from the store. Our parks came from someplace. And so part of our challenge and the opportunity that Andrea and I and others have right now too is to be able to raise the visibility um, of the trust fund as a, a really unique thing in Michigan. When we talk about things like Trails Week and National Public Lands Day, that stuff got there through a lot of hard work and frankly, through a lot of money that came from places like the trust fund. So the other thing I guess that I would add to our conversation about, you know, how people get out, how they recreate responsibly is when you pull into the parking lot or you ride up to the trailhead or you sit down at that park bench, take a look and spend 30 seconds um, learning a little bit more about where that came from, the place that you're at, where it came from, uh, where the funds came from, who helped establish it. There's a rich history uh, that we have in all of our communities in Michigan that quite frankly doesn't exist anywhere else in the country. So uh, just like I mentioned that other areas in Michigan are, are jealous of the Sumcog Park Finder app, other states across the country are really jealous of the trust fund, the Michigan Natural Resources Trust Fund. So we've got some really cool stuff to be proud about. Uh, and I think we need to celebrate it uh, probably a lot more than we do now. I just want to give a couple examples in the Southeast Michigan region, like some of the biggest ones that stick up. And I'm sorry if you hear that kid crying in the background. The Detroit Riverfront, for one, Millican State Park, the Outdoor Adventure Center. Um, we have one opening today to the public, which I'm super excited about in Oakland County, and it's their Holly Oaks ORV Park. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but if you enjoy using off-road vehicles, side-by-sides, ATVs, motorcycles, check it out because it's it's really cool and it's tapping into the maybe like the non-traditional recreational use that we usually think about. Um, so there's just a few highlights, but I also encourage you to like dig further because there are there are tons. They are layered all throughout the entire state. All 83 counties have benefited from the Natural Resource Trust Fund. Yeah, I think you guys really hit the nail on the head with the these these projects are everywhere you look um, if if you're looking for them. The and their priorities really are about connecting trails, providing access to our waterways, even promoting universal access and, and ABA accessible designs for for outdoor spaces. So they're they're everywhere you look, and I, I think those are some great examples. 
So if anyone's interested in uh, more information on the Michigan Natural Resources Trust Fund and some of the many projects that's funded around the state, um, I'd encourage uh, listeners to visit protectmi.org. That's P-R-O-T-E-C-T-M-I.org. Um, and there's really just a, a, a lot of information there on, on, on these different stories of different places trust funds funded. Um, and then again, a little bit more on the history and the opportunities to celebrate it. Thank you, Jonathan. Andrea, it's been great speaking with you both today um, on this socially distanced region ahead. Um, I learned a lot about what Michigan has to offer with outdoor recreation. I'm looking forward to getting out more and recreating responsibly. I also want to thank you, Tyler, for joining us. You're welcome anytime. Great to be here. So this has been Semcog's Region Ahead. Thank you for joining us as we consider the important issues that affect Southeast Michigan. You can subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts. You can learn more about Semcog's regional planning work as well as what we're doing to support local governments during the COVID-19 pandemic at Semcog.org. You can also learn more about the Michigan's Trails and Greenways Alliance at michigantrails.org. Thanks again to Jonathan and Andrea for joining us. Everyone be safe and be well.